Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, October 15th, 2020. I am Graham G.S. and Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. Mr. Marceau will not be joining me here today just due to being busy. He will be back next week, though, so we're going to be taking a bit of a different approach to today's show than we normally do, as I will be flying solo for my analysis, full recap, thoughts, and everything on the 2020 WWE Draft, both Night 1 and Night 2. Now, I already kind of gave my thoughts on night one of the WWE Draft um, in my SmackDown review from last Friday, though I will be going more in detail with each pick, why I think um, each move is either good, bad, stupid, dumb, nonsensical, whatever, whatever it might be. We're going to be talking all about that here today, in addition to airing, if you haven't already heard it, my exclusive interview with now SmackDown superstar Kevin Owens. I had the chance to chat with Kevin Owens last week before night one of the WWE Draft and before his match with The Fiend on SmackDown last Friday. He did ultimately get, you know, moved to SmackDown, get selected by SmackDown on night two of the WWE Draft, which was awesome because he told me as much um, in our conversation that you're about to hear. He told me in our interview that he wanted to be moved to SmackDown, and that's exactly what happened on night two of the draft. So you're going to hear that in its entirety from last week, and then after that's all over with, we're going to be right back here with more draft analysis, talking about who went to Raw, who went to SmackDown, who went undrafted, and what I like, what I didn't like, and what I think could be done better for the future of the WWE draft concept, and why I thought overall it was actually a pretty newsworthy draft. Me, a lot of people I haven't really seen um, say the same thing. I think a lot of people, the overall general consensus was that it was either uneventful, disappointing, dumb, whatever. I'll get into my own thoughts about it momentarily. Before then, though, you can check out new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday right here, either on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and anywhere else you find your podcast, Google Play, Podbean. You can find me on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant on Twitter as well, um, on Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook as well, I meant to say, at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews, and also on YouTube at YouTube.com backslash Graham GSM Matthews. I'm going to have another exclusive interview up this Friday on the YouTube channel. So you can hear these interviews first on the channel. This Kevin Owens one went up last Friday on the channel. So if you want to hear these interviews first, subscribe to the channel. But if not, and I don't know why you wouldn't, you can also check out the interviews right here sometimes on the show. So without further ado, allow me to welcome at this time the all-new SmackDown superstar, although this was recorded before he got drafted to the blue brand, Kevin Owens. Hey, how's it going, Kevin? Good, how are you, man? Doing awesome, doing awesome. Coming up on SmackDown this week, you're actually facing The Fiend for the first time. Uh, not just The Fiend, but Bray Wyatt for the first time in one-on-one action. Has Bray Wyatt led your list of opponents coming up uh, to work with that you hadn't had the chance to work with up to this point? 
Um, yeah, you know, I, I wrestled Bray on a few live events in the past, and that was pretty great. Uh, a fun to mix it up. And, you know, it was only like twice, but I never wrestled him up until that point, and we haven't wrestled each other until since then. Mm-hmm. So it's always kind of uh, cool to get in the ring with someone different, but I can't say wrestling the Fiend was on my list of uh, things I was looking forward to, to be honest, because I've seen how everyone else has ended up uh, against the Fiend. So, uh, Hopefully I have better luck tonight, but it wasn't it wasn't at the top of my priority list necessarily. Well, based off the experience that you've had facing the Fiend slash Bray Wyatt up to this point, how does you compare to other opponents that you've had throughout your WWE run up to this point? Uh, well, you know, Bray and I are pretty similar in types of uh, you know our 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 physique goes and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's kind of interesting to get in the ring with someone who's so similar to you. Um, and uh, we have such similar styles, even in our actual wrestling, uh, you know, technique or whatever you want to call it. So um, it's kind of uh, in, in a way, uh, you know, and now I'm talking about Bray Wyatt when I wrestled him two years ago. Because, as you know, the Steam character or entity is probably a bit different. So I don't really know what to expect out of that. But uh, as far as Bray goes in the matches we had, uh, you know, those a couple of years ago. It was almost kind of wrestling, like wrestling a, a mirror image of myself in a way, you know, as far as the style goes. So that's interesting, too, because there's not really anybody else uh, out there that I can uh, feel is so close to me as far as how I wrestle. So uh, that was an interesting part of, of getting in the ring with them. Well, it feels like you've had a target on your back the last couple of weeks. Between The Fiend targeting you, you've had Aleister Black on your back the last couple of weeks on Raw. How have you enjoyed your recent rivalry with Aleister Black on the Raw brand? And has it met your expectations so far? Um, I mean, I feel like I could have, uh, or Aleister could have explained his uh, reasoning a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And uh, that would have helped. Um, that would have helped the story and that would have helped... Uh, me understand why all of it's happening but uh you know it is what it is right now we're at the point we're at now we're kind of past the point of explaining uh, you know explaining each other mm-hmm. i think uh he's attacked me i've fought him back eventually i'm sure it's all building to a uh one big match where hopefully we can you know settle it once and for all but uh i don't really know where any of it's going at this point mm-hmm we're also coming up on Friday. We got the WWE draft and of everyone in WWE, it seems like you've switched shows every single year that we've had the draft, whether it be the draft the shake up between, you know, Raw and SmackDown. So yep. dating, dating back to 2016, do you have any favorite draft moments, whether it's involving yourself or just in general with the WWE draft? Well, I really, so a moment that sticks out in my head was from the first draft when uh, Finn Balor got uh, recruited uh, to Raw mm-hmm. because one, I was really pumped to know that my friend was getting, you know, getting called up and was going to be on the same show as me. And the reaction of the crowd in the arena when they announced his name was really special because at that point, Finn had only been an NXT talent. And, you know, we were always, obviously NXT was growing constantly at that point and still is. But, you know, uh, we, we were never sure just how many people uh, you know, how many fans of the, you know, in the WWE universe paid attention to NXT. And once you heard the reaction to his name, it was pretty clear that everyone was well aware who he was. And, uh, you know, everybody's really excited 
to, to hear he was coming. So that was really cool. But uh, that was probably the only – that's probably my only moment uh, of the draft that I, uh, that I remember fondly. All the other years I actually um, – and I'm sure this year will be no different. I feel frustrated with how far into the draft I get picked. Mm-hmm. And last year was like – last year was a new low. I was picked so late. And I was very angry. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was just, but, you know, I think I'm, I, I'm probably one of many who feels that way when, when they're drafted. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the drafts are actually always kind of stressful because you really don't know where you're going until they announce it on TV or, you know, in the supplemental draft out, out, that they do online after. So you don't know who you're going to be with. Now it's kind of different because we're not necessarily traveling currently and might not be for a while. But when we're traveling – uh, you know, on the road, sometimes you don't know if that means that your road partner won't be on the same show as you. You don't know who you're going to, you know, who, if your friends were going to be on the same brand anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, while that might seem like a small inconvenience, it's, you know, when you're on the road as much as we are, or we were at that point, uh, the people that are around you uh, in a lot of ways keep you sane. So it's a big deal, you know, but uh you don't know any of it going into the actual draft. So it's always a pretty uh, pretty stressful day, to be honest. Having switched shows every year for the last four years, are you already of the mindset at this point? Like, all right, I'm pretty much going to SmackDown because there's no way like yeah, the trend has been, uh, you know? Well, I mean, I, I can only assume uh, because of the past, like you said, that I'm going to switch. I don't know if I am. I'm not going to find out until tonight or Monday or whenever. I don't even know how any of it's going to work. But um, I kind of like it at the same time, to be honest. It gives me, you know, a new, um, what can I say? It gives me an, almost like a new playground every, every year or so. Mm-hmm. A new set of people to work with. And then uh, kind of gives me a reset uh, or a chance to reset anyway. And so far, I don't know if that's how it works, but every single time we get to a draft, it feels like I'm, I'm due for a reset every time as a superstar, as a character, as a whatever. And it still feels that way to me this year. So I kind of hope I do go to SmackDown so that I can just kind of uh, hopefully start fresh on that side of things. Um, but yeah, I don't know if anybody else has moved as often as I have. Actually, <laughs> maybe the Miz. Morgan has. Oh, well, I don't know. Too, yeah. I don't even know about Liv Morgan has because she's switched every single time and we've switched together. Yeah. Every time she's been like the one constant in the locker room <laughs> that I know is always there That's because great. she switches as much as I do. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, it's been, uh, you know, it's been an interesting couple of years of the draft for sure. Yeah. Well, it was funny. Sammy was getting drafted with you to the same show for like two or three years straight up until last year. Now you're that's finally right. in separate shows. Yeah, and that might, true. And that might change. And that might change this week. You can see back on SmackDown, he could end up on Raw, whatever. Um, do you have a preference between the two brands at all, or is it really just more a matter of making the most of where you are? Man, it's pretty funny. Uh, almost, like I said, almost every single time I get drafted uh, to the other show, right before I get to the draft. I'm hoping to get drafted to the other show. Mm-hmm. So like every time it's almost like, man, I really could use, I, I could really use going to raw now, or I could really use being on SmackDown now. And like I said, I think it's that opportunity to hopefully get a, a, a fresh start. Um, I don't know what it is about me, man. I feel like I, I, uh, I give it my all. 
I deliver every time I'm on, I'm on the air. But for some reason, I feel like I always end up in a situation where I could really use a, re- a, a fresh start after a little while. And, uh, you know, I try to do my best to do that. So it always helps to get a new platform. So here I am again. Exactly like one year later, last year, I was so desperate to move to Raw. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I got moved to Raw. And now I'm pretty desperate to move to SmackDown just because things, for some reason, I don't feel like things are working out for me on Raw. So mm-hmm. maybe SmackDown will be better. <laughs> but last year at this time, I didn't feel like things were working out for me on SmackDown. So I thought yeah. Raw was maybe the place. So I don't know, man. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But I mean, I think a lot of people would agree that you have one of the best character arcs in WWE. I think Seth Rollins is up there too in terms of like, your actions are usually consistent. Um, I mean, we've, we've seen you on the main roster now for five years, which is crazy to think about. It's kind of flown by. But, you know, you've talked a lot lately yeah. on Raw about how, you know, you're trying to redeem yourself from betraying people and all the evil actions that you've done in the past in WWE. And we don't see that often, which has been cool for your character. Um, is there any one or two things that you feel are missing from your current on-air persona that you're hoping to improve upon or fix or whatever going forward? You know, I don't think I ever had the real chance to truly explain myself as to why I want to do these things differently. Mm -hmm. I don't think I was given the chance to do that for one reason or another. You know, TV time is a very precious thing. And uh, when you get it, you know, 99% of the time you have to talk about the story you're in because you got to make the most out of that TV time. I would have loved to get a few minutes at some point to just explain why it was important to me to try and move past all the, you know, backstabbing and, and bad things I did to my friends throughout my career. Uh, but I, I was never given that chance. Mm-hmm. So I think that's been missing. And I think that would have certainly helped me uh, connect with the audience even more. But, you know, I know I connect with the, pe- like the people watching. I'm well aware of it. So I would have loved to be able to give them an explanation as to why this time uh, they can get behind me without, you know, having to be worried that I'm just going to stab somebody and them in the process in the back. Mm -hmm. But I was just never given that chance. So it's kind of why I came up with the just keep fighting motto uh, is just, you know, I don't know when things don't work. It's it's as cheesy as it makes me (laughs) when things don't work out your way, you just got to power through and keep fighting. Mm -hmm. So whether it's, you know, uh, when you wish you could do something on television to, to explain to people or when you're facing a major obstacle in your life or it's just kind of, you know, it's an all-encompassing line that, that helps in pretty much every situation and everybody's going to get down on themselves at some point. So I think it's a good reminder. So it kind of came from there. And you mentioned earlier too about not touring a lot right now, obviously just given the current conditions and whatnot. Um, There have been rumblings recently Mm -hmm. about, you know, taking the show back on the road, not anytime soon, but down the road when it becomes safer to do so. And obviously you've been vocal in the past about, you know, sitting at some shows that you may not feel are safe or whatever, um, just due to personal reasons and whatnot. If WWE were to start traveling again at some point and allowing more fans to attend the shows and whatever, would you feel comfortable with doing that anytime soon? Or is it really just more of a wait and see approach? Uh, I mean, it's a wait and see approach for everybody, including, you know, WWE, I think, but uh, I would, I think I would be comfortable because, you know, this is something, and I've said it in other interviews, I've been very vocal and very honest with uh, WWE management, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as the virus goes and how, you know, the measures that were being taken to try to keep us safe and stuff like that. And 
when I wasn't comfortable with the way things were, I, I voiced my, I voiced my concerns and they were met with serious, like they took it seriously mm. and immediately tried to remedy the situation to make sure everybody felt comfortable, including myself. So I feel good about how they try to handle everything. Uh, you know, this whole thing is extremely difficult for everybody and it's been difficult for companies. It's been difficult for individuals. It's been difficult for everyone. Mm. Um, everybody tries to do their best to get through it. And, you know, there's always, re- re- there's always reasons to criticize somebody's choice or, or decision and whether it's a person or a company. Uh, I personally, you know, if I didn't feel like we're safe, I wouldn't be on these shows. You just wouldn't mm-hmm. see me. So, you know, if the choice is made to, uh, to start traveling, start allowing fans in, you know, I'm going to assess the situation and, and I'll, 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 I'll talk with whoever I need to talk to if I don't feel comfortable. But right now, I see the way they handle things at the Thunderdome and I'm happy to go there every Raw, SmackDown, whatever it is, and do my work. So, um, if, you know, if, if I, I can only assume they would take... Uh, the, the topic of going back on the road or allowing fans back in just as seriously. And if they do, then I'll, I'll be there to, I'll be there to perform. And, you know, every single person in the locker room is looking forward to being able to, to perform in front of fans again. So mm. that's, uh, that would certainly be, you know, it, it'd be great, but like a, you know, one day at a time and one decision at a time, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned in other interviews, like the conversations that you've had with Vince about it and whatnot, um, just not about that situation, but just in general, what is your relationship with Vince? Do you speak to him often? How, how often do you speak to Vince? Um, I mean, I speak to him whenever I need to, you know, he's, there's, there have been times where um, I didn't feel as comfortable going to talk to him uh, because I, I, my career has been a, a bit of a roller coaster in WWE as mm-hmm. far as, you know, and like the, 365 we've done that's yeah. on the network a lot of people remember that moment where wrestling uh 33 i had a match with jericho and i that night i did as i do every single night which is go see the boss to see what he thought and mm-hmm. he was not happy yeah and obviously that moment people always bring it up uh you know i asked him if we were good he said no and then we you know obviously that's not where our talk ended that's the thing you don't see the rest of the talk and we discussed yeah. how things went and you know there's been times where i didn't feel like uh almost there's been times like I didn't want to go back in his office to talk to him until I felt like I had delivered what he wanted. And then I could look at him in the eye and say, all right, what's next. Mm -hmm. But as far as the personal stuff goes, whether it's the handling of this, uh, you know, the the, the virus or any other things like that, uh, his door is always open. So I, we've discussed, you know, I'd say we've discussed life matters even more than anything wrestling related. Uh, you know, over the past few months. Um, I don't know if he has that kind of relationship with everybody, but I'm pretty comfortable telling him anything I need to tell him. And uh, he's always very receptive. Well, he won't always agree, but, you know, that's, yeah. that's the nature of, of humans and, and conversations. So, yeah, I think I, I, I would say we have a good, good relationship. Yeah. Uh, also as well, I think a lot of people would agree too that you you definitely have one of the most must follow Twitter accounts of all the WWE superstars out there. And you have for several years now, uh, your approach to Twitter has changed in certain respects over the years. And I just want to hear you elaborate on that. What is your current relationship with Twitter in, in your opinion? Um, I don't like it because <laughs> um, I'm going to be brutally honest. I actually think Twitter 
doesn't do a very good job of uh, making sure that their platform isn't used for uh, bullying and uh, just bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, I've thought of deleting my account many times because I've seen uh, Twitter accounts go after, like, I, I, you know, I'll see, I'll post something and I'll see replies from people that are being supportive or have their, you know, their opinions or whatever. And then I'll see other people go after these people and calling them terrible things and really awful words. And I'll, uh, I, there are times where I've specifically reported accounts that are attacking people. Mm-hmm. Uh, only for Twitter to do nothing about it and say that it doesn't violate their their rules. So I don't like it. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a good place. Uh, the only reason I still have it is because once in a while I like posting things that uh, give my fans, uh, you know, a positive something to feel positive about. Like this week, uh, I lost my cat, um, and I I, I ended, eventually found them you know, 24 hours later, but those 24 hours were terrible for my family because our pets are like, you know, an extension of us. They're part of the family. So I told the story of how it happened and I just, you know, let everybody know that whatever, we lost them. Here's what happened. And I ended up finding them. And the feedback I got from people about how much that story made them feel good, or this is something they need to hear that day. That stuff really like whenever I can do that on social media, it makes it a bit worth it to see the other side of it, the ugliness that can come out of it. So that's the only reason I still have it. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, uh, I, I don't enjoy it. The only time I enjoy it is when I can reach out to my fan base and give them something to smile about. Mm-hmm. And final few questions for you. Uh, I think your approach to backstage interviews is awesome. Um, I feel like the, the interviews, some of the interviews that we see on the, on the show itself are great, but I'm talking about like, the WWE.com, the YouTube exclusives, the interactions you've had with, you know, Sarah Schreiber going back to, uh, you know, Renee Young, people like that over the last five years, they just kind of feel so off the cuff in the moment type interviews that they're always entertaining regardless of what, um, you know, what, what the content is, what is your approach to like the interviews? Is it st- like, do they know what you're going to say before you do it? Cause you're like, you were talking about bananas recently. And <laughs> like, that was a great, it was a great, mm-hmm. you know, a few minute video. So like, what's your approach to stuff like that? No, I mean, I, I feel like some of my finest work has been done on WWE.com, like you said, and it's always, uh, there's no limitations because nobody knows what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. They just, whenever the WWE.com, the digital crew grabs me and says, hey, we'd like to do a little interview, I'm more than happy to do it because I know it's time to just go, go nuts. And like, you know, there's no, sometimes I, I have so little of an idea of what I'm going to say myself before it starts. Sometimes, you know, they'll say, okay, you know, 30 seconds to a minute, whatever. And we end up with a four minute video just because, <laughs> yeah. you know, one thing with, so like, like, uh, you know, there's stuff I used to do when Jojo was around to do backstage yep. interviews Jojo too, that yeah. I look back fondly. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the same thing with Sarah, like you said, or I did one with Mike Rome once that uh, in a car, I just like all those things are probably my favorite. Uh, as far as like pure entertainment goes, that's the way to go if you want to. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe not everybody thinks, uh, maybe not everybody would agree that they're funny, but I, I, I get a kick out of them and I get a kick <laughs> out of doing them. So that's, that's the place to go on .com if you want to see that. Too. Yeah, it's amazing stuff. Uh, what's been your favorite feud so far in WWE? Do you have a dream feud by any chance? Um, yeah. You know, at this point, I, I can't. 
and I mean, it's easy to say because he's obviously the top star and he's the champion, so who wouldn't want to work with him? But Roman's new identity or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, I always thought me against Roman in the proper setting could be really interesting. And I think the proper setting is, is more than ever now that he's embraced uh, his alpha male, uh, you know, tribal chief persona. Um, I think me, the pretty much complete opposite of him uh, would, would be a pretty interesting clash. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, Drew McIntyre and I uh, had two matches on TV, and that's it, two matches, just those mm-hmm. two matches. We never worked with each other on live events. But both those matches were bangers, and I yeah. would love to do it again on a bigger stage. Um, I never got the chance to work an actual storyline with Randy Orton. He's one of my favorites to work with, so that'd be great too. So there's plenty of uh, things I, I'd love to do, uh, but who knows how things will shake up, you know. As far yeah. as my favorite one I've done, you know, anything I got to do with uh, with Sammy, we bring out the best in each other. And obviously, you know, starting out with John Cena and having that series of matches, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it, that's the thing about it, right? It's, it's kind of hard to top that kind of stuff, starting out that way. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a struggle to, to, to climb that mountain back because I kind of started at the top there. But uh, that, that's something I really look fondly on, look back mm-hmm. fondly on for sure. And final question for you. Has the thought of dra- being drafted to NXT crossed your mind at all? We don't know if NXT is going to be involved in the draft. I guess we'll find out on Friday. But has that thought crossed your mind at all after seeing Ember Moon come back on Sunday night? I mean, I, I, I last year at some point, uh, I was going back to NXT. It was all in motion, and it was going to happen. Wow. And then it didn't. So to say that the thought has crossed my mind would be an understatement. <laughs> but I would tell you that right now, it does. it's not the case anymore. I'm just not. That's just not where I'm at anymore. Now I want to be on Raw or be on SmackDown and just fight like hell to just fight like hell to make things uh, create some memorable moments for everybody. That's all I want at this point. Fantastic. Well, thanks a lot for the time, Kevin. Best of luck on Friday in the draft against the Fiend. You're an inspiration, my man. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Take it easy. Had a great time chatting it up with Kevin Owens on Thursday of last week. You can check out the full article that the interview is transcribed for on Bleach Report right now that was posted last Friday. Now, I will have another exclusive interview up, as I mentioned earlier, on Bleach Report this Friday, in addition to the audio of that interview, and it's it's a notable one, I'll tell you that much right now, um, this coming Friday on the YouTube channel, once again at youtube.com backslash Graham GSM Matthews. Also, I've had interviews this week with Tony Storm, um, NXT superstar, after joining the black and gold brand just a week ago at TakeOver 31. So that interview is up right now in article form on DailyDDT.com. And then I have another one with an Impact Superstar, not a superstar, but an Impact Star, um, coming up on Thursday, and today's Thursday. So it's going to be coming up today. It will not be published until next week. So a lot of interviews going on. My new goal is to reach 50 interviews by the end of 2020. And after the Impact one, the one I recorded yesterday and the Tony Storm one, I think I'm up to 44. So I'm pretty sure I can I, I could do at least six more before the end of 2020. But nonetheless, I am looking forward to it. I appreciate you guys supporting the show, supporting the interviews, supporting the articles. All that stuff means the world, so thanks a lot for that. So the draft layout was exactly what it was last year, with Stephanie McMahon making the picks for Raw and with SmackDown. Now, improvements from last year, I'll start with those. 
I absolutely love the fact that we did not get the shots of the USA Network and Fox executives and quotation marks. I'm doing the, you know, quote with my fingers just because they weren't actual executives. If you probably couldn't already tell if they were, they look like goofs, but I thought that was stupid. They tried to do the whole war room thing with the draft. And listen, I appreciate the sports approach to it, but like when they tried to get some talking heads from Fox and from USA trying to comment on the draft, it just looked ridiculous because none of them knew what the hell they were talking about. And I don't blame them. I blame WWE for trying to get these people to talk about something they know nothing about. It's a complete waste. No one wants to see it. So I like the fact we didn't get that this year. The layout and the format of the draft was exactly the same otherwise with Stephanie making the picks. Raw getting three, SmackDown getting two. I mentioned that last week. They switched up the pools a little bit between the two nights, which it's WWE, what else is new? Um, Some people went undrafted in night one, ended up signing with a brand come Monday before night two. There were a lot of changes happening, you know, instantaneous. It was a lot better than last year. Last year, a lot of people went undrafted and we didn't find out where they ended up until like literally days later. At least with the people that went undrafted on night one, most of them ended up finding a home by Monday. It was a very confusing layout last year, so I I like that they kind of improved upon it for this year. What doesn't make sense, and this didn't make sense last year, it doesn't make sense this year. As far as we know from a storyline standpoint, Raw and SmackDown do not have any authority figures whatsoever. None for Raw, none for SmackDown, no GMs, no commissioners, no nothing. Now we know the McMahons run the show, but we never really see them, nor should we, thank God. It's been years since we've had a McMahon-free show, so I appreciate that. And I can't really say McMahon-free. Stephanie makes the occasional appearance. Shane still makes regular Raw appearances as part of Raw Underground, although we haven't seen that in a couple of weeks, Uh, which I don't think it's done, by the way. I think it's just merely due to the fact that um, the people that were partaking in it from NXT and the Performance Center that would serve as, like, the observers from ringside... There was like an NXT COVID outbreak a couple of weeks ago, so they're probably just taking a few weeks off. It may very well be back as soon as next week. But anyway, we need to find out who exactly is making these picks. Some of these picks I I agreed with. Some of the, again, the formatting of the draft, for example, with later on in night one, we had the New Day, selected by Raw, but only two-thirds of it. And they could be drafted as a trio. So why, if you're raw, would you only want Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, but not Big E? That makes absolutely no sense. And even if Big E was drafted first, it makes no sense. It makes a little more sense. But even still, why wouldn't you want those guys on your roster if it's not a waste of a draft pick? You know, I thought that was very bizarre. Um, That happened on night two. We had retaliation. Or what, what is it? Retribution? Retaliation is the name of one of the women, I think. Retribution is the name of the overall group. Um, They were drafted as well. Why the hell would you want these people on your show? From a storyline standpoint, if they're wreaking havoc, attacking people, ruining your show, why would you want them on your show? None of this was ever explained. To no one's surprise, it was never explained. I doubt it will be explained. It's one of those things where you're just like, this is stupid, but you just kind of move on from it. So as far as the results are concerned, the first overall pick... In the 2020 WWE Draft for Night 1 was the WWE Champion Drew McIntyre being selected by Raw. Again, to the surprise of no one, um, there was no reason to switch the top championships as they did a year ago. And did they swap the... They did swap, they, they did swap the titles. They put the WWE title on SmackDown for a cup of coffee. Well, I mean, it was already on, it was already on SmackDown. 
they put Brock on SmackDown with the WWE Championship after he'd won it from uh, Kofi Kingston on the first Fox show on SmackDown. And then he went back to Ross. We took the championship with him. The Fiend took the Universal Championship to SmackDown. So that's the way it's been since then. There was no reason to switch it back a year later. Uh, McIntyre's been a good fit on Raw. He's been the face of that flagship show since WrestleMania. Again, no reason to change it. Roman Reigns, if Drew McIntyre was going to Raw, it only made sense for SmackDown to, to select the Tribal Chief, the Universal Champion himself, Roman Reigns, bringing, of course, Paul Heyman with him. Uh, Reigns has been doing amazing work all 2020. I mean, I can't even say all 2020 long. He's been gone for... He, he was gone for a substantial period of time. Um, but ever since he came back, I'll specify here, I'll... I'll correct myself. Ever since he came back from his hiatus right after SummerSlam, he's been doing great work as a heel. And I think it makes perfect sense to have that happening on the SmackDown brand. I I love the fact that it's transpiring on Fridays. That's the right home for Roman Reigns right now. The third pick in the WWE draft also went to Raw, the Raw Women's Champion Asuka. Again, she's been the face of that flagship show right up there with Drew McIntyre. With Charlotte out, Becky Lynch out for quite a while. Charlotte might at least be out until probably the remainder of the year. We all thought it would be sooner. You know, I think Ric Flair or someone had said, you know, it would be by SummerSlam or something. And then Charlotte said, no, it's going to be out. Like, I'm going to be out for a while. Um, she's been out since June. That's that's a pretty long time for a four-horse woman. And Becky Lynch obviously is pregnant. She's going to be out for a long time. So without those two in the picture, it makes sense to position Asuka, who deserves the opportunity, as the face of that women's division. So uh, thankfully, she stayed on Raw. The first real surprise that her out came when Seth Rollins was drafted from Raw to SmackDown. So for the very first time in his career, Seth Rollins is on Friday nights. Um, he's been on Raw, I mean, you could say since 2012, but really since the draft kind of came into fruition was... Uh, Reestablished back in the summer of 2016. That was when Rollins reported the Raw, and he's been a Raw guy ever since. The whole Monday Night Rollins thing is a very real thing because he's been, again, the face of that show for so long now. He hasn't really felt that way since WrestleMania, I would say, um, ever since he went heel. But he's been doing great work as a heel. It made sense to kind of transition that over to Fridays. I was not expecting that. My only issue with Rollins being on SmackDown is that Rey Mysterio and Dominic are also now on SmackDown. So that feud is not yet over, which is completely terrible because it sucks. Um, yeah, Rollins is now the SmackDown savior after ditching the Monday Night Messiah nickname, apparently. And rounding out the first round was the Hurt Business. Every every member, all four members, which includes the United States champion Bobby Lashley, Cedric Alexander, Shelton Benjamin, and of course, MVP. Love the fact that the Hurt Business were viewed so highly as they should be because they've been arguably one of the best parts of Raw for a, a while now. For at least a month or two. So I'm very happy they're staying put. And um, they were drafted so high here on night one. Going in around two, we had AJ Styles going from SmackDown to Raw. Um, you would have to think because of Paul Heyman. Now that Paul Heyman's on SmackDown, it's probably not the only reason. But, you know, SmackDown has Roman. They don't really need AJ Styles on that show. Um, though I would argue, I mean, Raw is kind of heel heavy now. I'm spoiling some of the results here, but like... I'm kind of wondering why they would draft AJ. I mean, I know SmackDown, again, has Roman. They have Sami Zayn. They have Baron Corbin. But now Raw has a plethora of heels. Almost too many heels. They have AJ, The Fiend, Sheamus. In addition to Randy Orton, they have The Miz and Morrison, who I guess are more of tag team guys. 
Um, I don't know. I just kind of looking at the roster, they had the Hurt Business. They're all heels. So unless a Braun Strowman's another one, I, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like there's no real reason to um, move AJ. I think I think he's a good fit on Raw. He never really got a real run there. He was only there for about a year before he went back to SmackDown, literally only a couple of months ago for the whole Intercontinental Championship thing. Um, we'll see what he does on Raw. I'm hoping he can find direction, maybe feud with McIntyre at some point. I think those two could have great chemistry together. But uh, we'll see what Raw has in store for him. Uh, Sasha Banks staying on SmackDown as she should. Naomi going to Raw, which is interesting because Jay Uso in the third round went to SmackDown. So does that mean Jimmy's going to Raw with his wife? Is that, yeah, you know they're going to start traveling at some point. Yes, they're all in the Thunderdome for now, but they're not going to not be traveling until October of next year come the next WWE draft. And yeah, they could always put Naomi back on SmackDown in the next couple months. But what's the fuck? Why, why the fuck would you draft her to Raw in the first place if you're just going to do that shit? You know, so I like the fact that she's on Raw. Again, she's another one that never really got a real run on Raw last year. She had been on SmackDown forever since the beginning of the WWE uh, brand split draft, whatever, in 2016. Had never had never switched shows and never moved shows until last year. And she was on Raw for a few months, did nothing. Um, I think she had some like health issues. She was gone for like six months and came back as a member of the SmackDown roster in January. So... I like the fact that she's on Raw. I think she and Asuka could have some good matches. And I love the tease from MVP that she could be joining the Hurt Business soon. I think she's a great fit for that group. When I was thinking of women that could be a good female member for the Hurt Business, I didn't really think of Naomi just because of the whole glow thing. But it actually makes a lot of sense. If they were to turn her heel and have her ditch the glow stuff, which again, I know it works, it's it's over, whatever. But she's been doing it for so long. I think a nice change of character, if it works, would be great for her. If it's the right change of character and they're not just turning her heel for the sake of turning her heel, if they turn her heel but put her in the her business, I think that'd be cool. And I think she and Asuka could have some really, really good matches. And I'm not sure if we've ever seen Asuka and Naomi before. Uh, maybe in 2018, maybe, but I don't think so. They were only on the same show from 2018 to 2019. I just don't remember a time in that span of time where they had a match one-on-one. So I think that could be interesting. Bianca Belair going to SmackDown, which is odd just because she just started getting the vignette treatment on Raw, so why would you start to introduce her to the Raw audience if she's just going to SmackDown? That's a little weird. I feel like that was a last-minute decision. I think she and Sasha could have some great matches, she and Bailey could have some great matches, but she could also have great matches with a lot of the Raw roster, too. So I thought it was interesting that she was moved, and hopefully her future is bright on Friday night, she has a lot of potential. And then rounding out the second round was the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Nia, there's only three people who have never switched shows since the initial draft in 2016. That's Nia Jax, Carmella, who has stayed on SmackDown, Nia has stayed on Raw, and Titus O'Neil, who I hesitate to even mention or acknowledge or, you know, count that. But you got, you, you have to, because he was drafted in 2016. And he was drafted this year, too. He was drafted as part of night one. So he does technically count. And he does still compete from time to time. Not often at all. I can't remember the last Raw match he had. So why Raw would bother even drafting him, I have no idea. Well, what, basically what that means with Nia and Shayna, you might be asking yourself, why are the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions eligible? Why does it matter? It means that when they drop those belts at some point, hopefully soon, they'll then be exclusive to Raw. 
which for Nia Jax, who gives a fuck, but Sheena, I like a lot because she could still have some great matches on Raw. Now with Naomi, which would be cool, um, but most notably Asuka. She and Asuka have some unfinished business. Charlotte's still on Raw, so Sheena and Charlotte is a logical match to do at some point. The Battle of the Queens, the Clash of the Queens. So uh, I, I like that they're staying on Raw. For the third round, Ricochet going on Raw, staying on Raw, rather. Um, I, I was hoping if everyone has switched shows that he would go to SmackDown. Maybe their mindset is they don't want to keep him with Apollo Crews, who's also now on SmackDown after night two. But um, I don't know. I just felt like even more so than Apollo, he could have used a fresh, you know, a fresh change of scenery. With Apollo, you know, he was the United States champion. He's had a very good Raw run, but he's run that hurt business feed into the ground. So they kind of had to switch him, so... I could see why they did that instead of Ricochet, but I'm really hoping that coming off of Raw this week that Ricochet has some... They have some plans in mind for Ricochet. Raw could really use some credible baby faces right now. They lost Rey Mysterio. They have Drew McIntyre. They have Ricochet. They lost Apollo Crews. I'm not even really sure who else they have, um, unless they turn AJ. Uh, when we go down the draft results here, maybe I'll think of one or two people, but like... It's not a fucking lot of people. They lost Kevin Owens, who was also a top face on Ross and Bobo Joe hasn't wrestled all year, pretty much. Um, Edge is not a regular, nor is he around right now. They need more top faces for Raw. So hopefully at some point, um, they could start pushing Ricochet. Yeah, he got a win on Raw, but it was like a fucking DQ win via an Eddie Guerrero tribute, which was cool, but it didn't give me a lot of faith they had any plans, immediate plans for Ricochet beyond the Hurt Business feud. Jay Uso staying on SmackDown. Ran, uh, man, I almost said Randy Rose. Uh, Randy Orton's coming up a little bit later on night two. Mandy Rose also on Raw. Again, Mandy Rose, Dana Brooke going to Raw. What's the fucking point of trading them if they were just going to be drafted? Eligible to be drafted. What a waste. This probably would have meant more had Mandy Rose not um not just been traded a couple of weeks ago. And that would have been like, oh, you know, she's on SmackDown for the first time in two and a half years. Or Raw for the first time in two and a half years. But nope, they just had a trader. They just had a trader um, recently, just a couple of weeks ago. And then also in round three, Ray and Dominic Mysterio going to SmackDown, which, again, normally I would like, but the fact that Rollins is also on that show makes me very scared that this feud is far from over. They very well may think that they can get another couple months out of this feud because it's now on SmackDown instead of Raw. It doesn't matter if it's Mondays, Fridays, Tuesdays, Christmas Day, Halloween. The feud is run its course months ago. It's done with, it's tiresome, it's boring, it's stupid. We're all ready to move on from this. Murphy, it's worth noting, is also now on SmackDown. Coming off of the supplemental round, what was it, five results on, on Talking Smack on Saturday. So they, they literally drafted an entire an, an entire storyline from Mondays to Fridays. I thought that was hilarious. And sad at the same time. And then also in round three, The Miz and John Morrison going to Raw. I was really hoping that Miz and Morrison would get split up, which is something I did not think I would say. But, you know, they have been booked so fucking badly since April, they should have just split them up and moved on to Miz and Morrison as their own individual competitors. They could always still split up on Raw and then feud, but I don't know. I feel like they're not really getting the job done on SmackDown. They got beat up by Lars Sullivan on Raw this week, and I'll get to Lars soon enough. Um, So I just don't really feel like they're going to find any more success on Raw than they did on SmackDown. Yes, they are former SmackDown Tag Team Champions. That is worth noting. But at the same time, though, I just feel like if they weren't booked all that well on SmackDown as a tag team, what's stopping Raw from booking them the same way? I would love to see them positioned as a threat, but another issue is that 
you know they're not going to win the Raw Tag Team titles any, anytime soon because they've already feuded with the New Day over the SmackDown Tag Team titles six months ago. So to go back to that well so soon would be a waste. What else do you do with them for right now? Continue to have them lose to Keith Lee or Matt Riddle or whatever? I guess those are two baby faces I wasn't thinking of, by the way, uh, for the top of Raw's card. You have Drew, you have Ricochet. Um, now you also have Matt Riddle and Keith Lee, so it does help in that respect. Anyway, so speaking of the New Day, they were the first to go in round four. This made no sense. I can go on about this forever. It just made no sense. Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston going to Monday Night Raw with the SmackDown Tag Team title. So Kofi and Xavier were eligible to be drafted. Anyone who was eligible, they kind of gave away their return. For example, Elias was eligible for night two, but Jimmy Uso wasn't. That told me, okay, Elias is coming back. Kofi and Xavier, the fact that Xavier was eligible, but he hasn't wrestled in a fucking year, kind of told me, okay, he's on his way back probably. I didn't think it would be Friday night. But, you know, they, I, I think they did a good job of keeping the Lars Sullivan return a surprise. Not that many people cared, but um, it's not like they put him in the pool and it's like, okay, why is he eligible? If he wasn't eligible last year because he was hurt, then isn't he hurt now too? So that was a nice surprise because he wasn't announced ahead of time as being eligible to be drafted, you know. But anyway, um, so New Day went to Raw. Kofi and Xavier went to Raw with the SmackDown Tag Team titles. They did ultimately swap the championships with the Street Profits, which, whatever. They shouldn't have brand-specific championships to begin with. Let's just put it that way. Um, I think that's uh, stupid to have Raw and SmackDown Tag Team titles to begin with that order that name if you're not just going to merge them. But whatever. So Biggie then went to SmackDown. I like the idea of the New Day splitting up. Some people just did not want to hear that. They were like, oh, this is so stupid. Why would you break him up? It's not like one guy turned on the others. That would be stupid. I don't think that needs to happen. I don't think WWE would have that happen. I've spoken to Biggie before. He said they had no desire to ever split up the New Day. And they aren't really, I mean, yeah, they are technically split up. They're on separate shows. But Kofi and Xavier are merely representing the New Day on Raw. And Big E is representing the New Day on SmackDown. That's what just that's what it feels like to me. There's no breakup. They'll be back together eventually. You know, we're thinking next year in the draft. They, dude, they very, may very well be back together by fucking Survivor Series time. Like, it, it may very well be that soon. And if they, if they merge the tag titles, the New Day can travel between shows, I would assume. Um, another thing is if they do the brand-to-brand invitational, what's stopping the New Day from using that or Big E using that? I think it's up to four times a year in storyline, so they could always do that for a couple of weeks if they wanted to. I would really wish they wouldn't. I would love to keep them separate as long as possible so it means more when they eventually come back together. But yeah, I just thought the formatting of it was dumb. But overall, though, the execution, rather, that's the better word for it, was stupid. But the actual idea of moving Big E to SmackDown, or I'm sorry, keeping him on SmackDown and moving Kofi and Xavier to Raw, I like a lot. Because I think Big E can really benefit from being on his own without the New Day attached, if that makes sense, you know. Um, I would rather see Big E on his own on SmackDown, no New Day. And I know Kofi was WWE champion with the New Day, but still. I think there's a lot more left in the tank with Big E as a single star. He's coming off a great match with Sheamus, that awesome false can anywhere match, where there's just no need to put them back together so quickly. I think it just makes more sense to keep them separate for the time being, and uh, continuing to build upon the singles push for Big E on his own, on SmackDown, maybe at some point being a viable challenger for Roman Reigns' 
United uh, Universal Championship or Sami Zayn's Intercontinental Championship, which I feel would be first, as it probably should be. But uh, yeah, I, I love the fact they split up the New Day. It was a long time coming. They desperately needed it. I don't need to see another New Day six-man tag team match for a while, aside from the one we're getting on Friday with them against uh, Cesaro, Nakamura, and Sheamus. But uh, yeah, I like the move to split the New Day, the execution rather, eh, not the greatest. Also in round four, we had Dana Brooke going to Raw, as I mentioned earlier. Just a complete waste of a pick, considering she was already on Raw, and they traded for her two weeks ago, and we never found out who got traded to SmackDown in exchange for Dana Brooke, so who cares? Mr. Money in the Bank got picked after Dana Brooke, which is hilarious, but yes, Otis is staying on SmackDown without Tucker. It's the same logic as the whole New Day thing. Why would you draft Otis without Tucker? It costs you nothing to get the additional person on your show if they were already a joint pick. If it was one pick per person, then I get it, but it's not. So it's just ridiculous. They only really do it whenever it's convenient for them, obviously. But, you know, Otis on his own does nothing for me. There is still the hope maybe this whole suing storyline, this whole lawsuit from from The Miz will lead somewhere and lead Tucker and Mandy Rose to coming back to SmackDown or lead Otis to going to Raw with them. I don't see that happening. I feel like Mandy Rose has already moved on. She's with Dana Brooke now. Tucker's going to be moving on to main event. But Otis is also doomed. I mean, the guy is very entertaining. I'm a big Otis guy. But it's just unfortunate they wasted the Money in the Bank briefcase on this angle. I realize Otis had a lot of momentum coming out of WrestleMania. And the guy is, you know, fairly popular still. But he's been a complete afterthought for months. You know he's not cashing in successfully. It was a complete waste to have him win that briefcase. Period. End of story. He should not have become Mr. Money in the Bank this year. It was a complete waste of what should be an important concept. But to be completely honest, it's been a complete waste for years now. Brock Lesnar winning it last year was just a waste. Braun Strowman winning it two years ago could have been something big. He cashed in unsuccessfully. Baron Corbin cashed in unsuccessfully. It's becoming just a joke. It's becoming a complete joke. So I don't see him really going anywhere now that he's on SmackDown on his own. Angel Garza also going to Raw. Oh, I mean, just really staying on Raw. He's not actually going anywhere. Um, But it is what it is. I like Angel Garza. I wish he would have split it away from Andrade, who was reportedly staying on Raw. I wish Garza went to SmackDown, but it is what it is. So hopefully he has a bright future for himself now that he's on Raw on his own, uh, you know, without Zelina Vega, without Andrade. And I think he can do well on his own. I think Vega, or rather Andrade without Vega, is a very poor fit. I don't think that's going to work out too well, quite honestly, for Andrade, depending on where Andrade goes from here. He could very well go to NXT. He could very well go to NXT. I heard that's the rumor right now. Um, but just that, I don't know. I feel like Andrade without a mouthpiece is just not a smart decision. Even if he does go back to NXT, it's stupid. Because the guy has a very tough time speaking English and whatnot. Um, not his fault. It is, is what it is. But that's why you put a mouthpiece with him. Angel Garza is a bit better on the mic. I think he could do perfectly fine on his own, as we saw him on his own in NXT and 205 Live just about a year ago. The supplemental picks on Talking Smack the next day saw Humberto Carrillo go to Raw, or stay on Raw, rather. Murphy go to SmackDown. So again, the Rey Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio, Aaliyah, Seth Rollins bullshit, unfortunately, continues. Drew Gulak go to Raw from SmackDown, which I think is a mistake. I think he and Daniel Bryan were doing great work together, and then Daniel Bryan took some time off. So we never really got the continuation of that pairing, but I think he's doomed for the 24-7 championship picture if they, uh, you know, if they keep him on Raw, which is unfortunate. Kalisto staying on SmackDown. Again, why wouldn't you draft the rest of the Lucha House Party, who are now on Raw, by the way? 
So Kalisto is on SmackDown on his own, which, you know, is great in theory, but when have they ever done anything with Kalisto on his own in recent memory? They tried the Cruiserweight stuff. They tried when he was United States champion, but that was three or four years ago. It's It's been a long time. I don't have any faith that they're going to start pushing him on his own, even though he's a heel now, which could be fun, but I'm not holding out, you know, I'm not holding out hope for a, a singles push for Kalisto. And then Tucker went to Raw, splitting up heavy machinery uh, in the process, which I think is a massive mistake. So night two saw the Fiend Bray Wyatt go to Raw, which I think is the best move possible. I just think the Fiend fits better on Raw than he does on SmackDown. And it never really made any sense to me why he went to SmackDown in the first place last year, aside from SmackDown wanting a cut of the pie, wanting a piece of the pie. They wanted the Fiend. He was a hot act at the time. Why wouldn't they want The Fiend? And then two days later, he had one of the worst matches in WWE history with Seth Rollins at Hell in the Cell. So I feel like they had buyer's remorse. But in all seriousness, though, he was champion for a while. All of his championship victories, all of his world title victories, have all come on SmackDown. He won the Universal Championship as a member of the SmackDown roster last year. He won the... um, Universal Championship again on SmackDown earlier this year. No, I'm sorry, he won it a couple of months ago at SummerSlam. So he won both Universal Championships on SmackDown. He even won the WWE Championship as a member of the SmackDown roster in early 2017. So I think he's just the better fit for Raw. I'm glad that's where he's going. And I'm glad Alexa Bliss is going with him because it would have been a massive mistake, as I said before, to split those two up and to put them on opposing shows. Bailey is staying put on SmackDown as she should be as the number one pick for the blue brand in night two. Randy Orton also staying put on Raw, which makes sense. He's still feuding Drew McIntyre. I like him on Raw. He's only been on Raw for about a year now. So uh, he's got some fresh competition if they wanted to do Randy Orton and, for example, Ricochet as a feud. I mean, if Ricochet means nothing right now, but it's an idea. Um, they also have Randy Orton and Matt Riddle. Randy Orton and Keith Lee if they wanted to go back to that. They got a couple of uh, they have a couple of options for uh, Randy Orton and people on the babyface side on Raw. The Street Profits, as I mentioned earlier, going to SmackDown, bringing the Raw Tag Team titles with them. But what happened later on in the show was that the Profits and uh, Profits and New Day exchanged their tag team titles, therefore making the Profits the new SmackDown Tag Team Champions and the New Day the new Raw Tag Team Champions, which is all well and good. Although, unfortunately, it does end the Street Profits' reign as Raw Tag Team Champions at like seven months, so they never really got a proper ending to that run. And the New Day, after winning the SmackDown Tag Team titles on Friday, becoming Raw Tag Team Champions on Monday, are now 10-time Tag Team Champions. It's unbelievable. Like, if we're going to make fun of Charlotte Flair for winning all these singles titles, we got to make fun of New Day for doing the exact same thing. But anyway, uh, rounding out round one... Speaking of Charlotte Flair, she is going to Raw, or staying on Raw, rather, so that makes sense. There was really no reason to move her, which makes me think Andrade is also winding up on Raw if he doesn't go back to NXT. And round two, Braun Strowman going to Raw, and the worst-kept secret of the show, just because he's been a part of Raw Underground for weeks now, so it just kind of makes sense to um, keep him as a member of the Raw roster. He was on SmackDown previously, but again, a lot like Wyatt, never really felt like a proper fit for that show. Even though that's where he did win the Universal Championship, he became Intercontinental Champion earlier this year. He never really felt like a great fit for SmackDown as the face of that show. Just never really made a lot of sense to me. So I'm glad he's going back to Raw, and maybe we'll soon see him resurface as part of Raw Underground. Daniel Bryan staying put on SmackDown as he should, because we need a Daniel Bryan-Roman Reigns rivalry at some point. It writes itself. They have history. 
We got to see it. We got to see it. It just makes the most sense. Matt Riddle going from SmackDown to Raw in a move I was not expecting. But hey, you know what? Maybe he was earmarked for Raw or rather for SmackDown. And then <laughs> they got into the Seth Rollins comments and um, they, they decided to move him to Raw. Rollins was none too happy with the uh, with with Matt Riddle on Friday when he was asked by the bump people of, you know, I think someone may have mentioned, who do you want to face now that you're on SmackDown? And Riddle, uh, you know, Rollins actually mentioned Riddle saying that, listen, Riddle, as far as I am concerned, I have no desire to ever face him. He can go to Raw as far as I'm concerned. So Rollins got his wish and Riddle is now on Raw. Though I'm not sure there's a lot more people on Raw that liked him than there was on SmackDown, so... I guess we'll see how that pans out. I like Riddle, but he's been involved in a lot of shit over the years. He's currently involved in that whole speaking out thing, the lawsuit with the woman who uh, accused him of raping her, I believe, or sexual harassment, whatever it might be. Some pretty serious stuff, some pretty serious allegations. So we'll see how that shakes out. But uh, yeah, so Riddle is now on Raw. Kevin Owens going to SmackDown, which if you just listened to the interview I just did with him a week ago, you would know that was going to be the case. So Kevin Owens, a part of the blue brand once more, joining Sami Zayn in the process, who also ended up right back on SmackDown. Now we can rekindle that rivalry, potentially, this time over the Intercontinental Championship, as they did when they viewed it the first time four years ago in 2016. So it's been long enough since we've seen Owens and Zayn on the same show, where it feels fresh again. It's probably been about two, two and a half years since we last saw them interact, because they were both on the Raw brand in 2018. They got moved to Raw right after WrestleMania, they had the WrestleMania match as a tag team against Brian and Shane McMahon. They lost, whatever. Um, and we figured at some point one would turn on the other. Maybe Owens would turn on Zayn, turn Zayn back into a babyface. But we actually find ourselves in a situation now where Zayn, I think, has probably been a heel longer than Owens ever was on the main roster. Zayn has been a heel now for over three years on the main roster, which is kind of crazy when you consider he was such a natural babyface early on in his Raw and SmackDown runs and also in NXT. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do come that dynamic on NXT or rather on SmackDown at some point over the Intercontinental Championship. Kevin Owens has never been the babyface in that feud before. So when we eventually get to that point where they're feuding over the championship, which may not be soon, you still have Zayn and Bryan to get to over the championship. There's probably a few more people I'm not thinking about that Zayn can feed with in the meantime before he gets to Owens. But it's going to be a cool different dynamic that we're not used to from those two. As many times as, as we've seen the match before on SmackDown, Raw, NXT, and elsewhere on pay-per-view and whatnot, takeovers, uh, we've never seen it with Owens as the uh, as the babyface and Zayn as the heel. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when that eventually comes to fruition at some point down the, uh, down the road and maybe in the not-too-distant future, depending on how long um, they do separate things before they ultimately come back together. Also in round two, we had Jeff Hardy going to Raw, which Kind of surprised me just because SmackDown kind of feels like his brand um, as it was, not that, like he's the face of Friday nights or anything, but kind of like it was in 08, 09. He was kind of given the ball to run with on SmackDown at that point. A lot like he has been since he came back earlier this year. Um, he feuded with Sheamus, came out on top on that. It doesn't really feel like not that they're going to give Jeff Hardy one more world championship run, but it feels like he might get overshadowed on the Raw brand. He already finds himself now in a feud with Elias, which is fine for now as an interim feud. Um, and I like Elias, but it kind of feels like a dead end for Jeff Hardy. He can win that feud, or maybe not. Maybe Elias can go over. But I feel like Jeff Hardy is, at this point in his career, although he is in the twilight of his career, is capable of bigger and better things beyond a feud with just the returning Elias. So we'll see how he shakes out on Raw, how he does. 
Um, I'm not overly optimistic about the move, but it has been about three years since we last saw him as an official member of the Raw roster. Um, he was a part of Raw when he first came back from injury in early 2018, but maybe for like a week or two. But by and large, though, we have not seen him officially positioned as a member of the Raw roster from week to week in over three years since he first suffered that initial injury in late 2017. So, again, the Hardy Alliance feud is a fine way to kind of reintroduce them both to the Raw roster, and it's a decent mid-card feud for now. But for the future, are we going to get Jeff Hardy and, you know, we've already kind of gotten Jeff and AJ recently, which, you know, not not officially one-on-one. They feuded for a little bit one-on-one before Sami Zayn came back. Um, I would like to see more matches from them. But, you know, Jeff and Elias for right now. Jeff and Orton we've already seen before. I think Jeff Hardy and The Fiend eventually, which I was hoping to look you know forward to seeing on SmackDown at some point, we can now get on Raw. So I think at some point that might be the way to go. Um, I don't know if it's going to result in a world championship win for Jeff Hardy at this point in his career, but hopefully he's given the same amount of opportunities he was on SmackDown now that he's on Raw. So the third round is really when things started to fall apart with Retribution going to Raw. Again, as I said at the start of the show, why you would even bother drafting a stable that has done nothing but wreak havoc on your show for literally weeks now, months now actually, because Retribution has been around since early August, I have no idea. Makes absolutely no sense. Now it is worth noting, in the graphic it only consisted of Mustafa Ali, T-Bar, who is Dominic Dijakovic, Mace, who is uh, Dio Madden, Slapjack, who is Shane Thorne, and Reckoning, who is Mia Yim. Mercedes Martinez, who I think, I, Retaliation, I believe is her name, which is incredibly stupid. Um, she was not involved in the graphic. There have been a lot of rumors, a lot of speculation in regards to what her status with the group is. Um, I guess the other members weren't following her on Twitter, even though they were all following each other, which that didn't really mean a ton to me. Um, she was mentioned somewhere. I don't know if she was in the pool for the draft or maybe she wasn't. I don't remember. Um, I had seen something recently that indicated she still was on the main roster, but I think this graphic all but confirmed that she's not only out of retribution, but she's also out of the, you know, off the main roster entirely, which has got to be a new record for like the shortest main roster run of all time because she was only around for what, two or three weeks officially. Um, There have been rumors that she might report back to NXT, which in her case is an upgrade Um, just because I don't think she's going to get anywhere with this stable. Mia Yim, you know, I like Mia Yim a lot. Uh, Maybe she can kind of overcome this. Not to say that Mercedes couldn't, but Mercedes had a lot further to go in NXT before she got called on. Mia Yim's been there for two or three years. Uh, Mercedes was just getting settled into that feud with Rhea Ripley. They had a great steel cage match, and then she lost, and then she moved on. Um, I think there was a lot more to accomplish there with her, you know, beating Io Shirai potentially for that NXT Women's Championship. So if she soon resurfaces in NXT, now you know why. Uh, Lars Sullivan came back on SmackDown last week for the first time in, what, uh, a year and a half? 16 months since he was injured in June of 2019. Was not expecting to see Sullivan on SmackDown. Um, That's actually where he winded up in the draft as part of round three. There's been a lot of shit that's come out around Lars, so um, I I was going to say if he can kind of, you know, uh, keep quiet and stay clean and whatever, not drug-wise or anything, but in terms of like all the controversies that has surrounded him, that has clouded him since he joined the main roster about a year, two years ago actually, um, then he might have a decent future for himself. Unfortunately, controversy just follows this guy. Um, he's already been involved in some other shit that came out right after his return on SmackDown last week, so I'm not exactly sure how much longer he's going to be around for until WWE just chalks him up to being too problematic and just lets him go. Um, but I did like seeing Lars. I was always a fan of his in NXT. Never really thought he 
Um, you know, he had a decent run in the main roster before he got hurt, but he, you know, debuted months after he was supposed to at WrestleMania, only really beat up guys for a month or two before he got hurt, and he was out for a long time. So this could be a nice reset for him. And I liked him being positioned on SmackDown because Raw has Braun, they have The Fiend, they have Keith Lee, they have a lot of big guys. I think Lars has that brand all to himself now over on the SmackDown side of things. Aside from maybe like, you know, they, they have Corbin, um, there's a few other bigger-ish guys that SmackDown has. I, I could see Lars and Kevin Owens working at some point. Um, I think that could be a decent feud. But uh, yeah, I like the fact that Sullivan landed on SmackDown. I think he can kind of be the resident big guy for that blue brand. Speaking of Keith Lee, he did go back to Raw, you know, staying on Raw, which is where he should be. Um, I think Keith Lee and Roman Reigns at some point would be awesome. Um, you can kind of save that for later down the road. No reason to rush into that right now. Uh, King Corbin also staying put on SmackDown, which is where he belongs. And rounding out the third round was Alexa Bliss going to Raw, following The Fiend in the process, which is exactly where she should have been. Uh, we got to see The Fiend and Alexa make their Raw debuts together on Monday night, attacking Andrade and Zelina Vega, which was Amazing. It was probably the best part of the entire show, um, seeing them hit the stereo Sister Abigails on Andrade and Vega, so I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, round four started off with Elias going to Raw from SmackDown. He's always felt more like a Raw guy to me, at least in my opinion. Um, I think going him going back to Raw was the right call, like I said earlier. Already finds himself in a feud with Jeff Hardy. Now, it did feel random at first. But I liked how they explained it in that backstage segment. They rarely ever explain stuff like this. They, I mean, they were supposed to explain Retribution on Raw this week, and Mustafa Ali was nowhere to be seen. So um, they had advertised that in advance, and maybe it was done by design. To, you know, Mustafa kind of teased it on Twitter as, he kind of, you know, phrased it as, oh, do you like being, you know, told something and that not having it deliver, or something along those lines. And uh, that could, maybe, that that's what they were going for. To me, it kind of felt like they just kind of ran out of time on Raw this week, and that's why we didn't get that Ali promo. But at any rate, so we heard from Elias after he attacked Jeff Hardy, and he had basically said that Jeff Hardy, he blames Jeff Hardy for him missing so much in ring time over the last five months. And he initially got hurt in, what, May, June, or something like that? And it was because of that hit and run, which I completely forgot about. I completely forgot about how that was how Elias was written off the show. And I also completely forgot about, unless WWE is just mind-fucking us here, that they actually never paid off that storyline. Now, it was said that it was Sheamus, the person had red hair, blah, blah, blah. Um, there was some speculation it could have been Sami Zayn, but he didn't come back for many months, so obviously it wasn't Sami. I mean, I guess it could be, but even if it was, he's on SmackDown, so how do you really pay that off, you know? Um, but anyway, though, with, um, with Elias and Jeff, he had blamed Jeff for hitting him with the car, even though it obviously wasn't Jeff, but he believes it was, and now he's a heel again. The guy has gone face and heel so many times, it's kind of hard to care. But this could be a decent feud. It's something new. Uh, as long as we don't get, like, battling concerts between the two, which I know Jeff Hardy has his own band. I really have no desire to see that um, on Raw. But as a match, it could be decent. It's a fine filler feud for both guys. Um, and I think Jeff Hardy, though, as I mentioned earlier, kind of has a higher ceiling in Raw than Elias does. Um, also joining Raw was Lacey Evans from SmackDown, after only being on SmackDown for about a year. Sami Zayn staying put as the Intercontinental Champion on the blue brand. Um, the fact that he was drafted in the fourth round was complete and utter bullshit. I mean, why you would take, again, a Lars Sullivan, Retribution, even Alexa Bliss, who I like, but for Sami Zayn to go in the fourth round was completely ridiculous. Maybe without the championship, I kind of get it, but with the championship, it was stupid. Um, staying on SmackDown, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura, and then going to Raw, Sheamus, 
which I thought was interesting. Now, Sheamus has been on Raw before. He was on Raw as recently as last year, actually, in early 2019 before he got hurt and went to SmackDown upon his return. Um, But with Sheamus, though, it was interesting because, you know, the last time that he was on Raw, he was a part of the bar. The bar has basically been a thing since the brand split was brought back in 2016. Now, Sheamus on his own five years ago as part of League of Nations, which wasn't really on his own, but that Sheamus didn't do a lot for me. So maybe he comes back as a heel on his own on Raw, and again, doesn't do a lot for me, but it's worth a shot. Um, I think he can have a nice, you know, refreshed run on Raw. He's already lost his feuds to Big E and Jeff Hardy, so being on Raw now kind of gives him that reset that I think he needs. And uh, hopefully at some point we do get that Sheamus-Drew McIntyre feud over the WWE Championship, which I think would be great. Nikki Cross in the fifth round, going to Raw as well, probably to finish off the Alexa Bliss story, but I mean, I just don't need to see them on the same show, so I, I thought she could have stayed put on SmackDown. Maybe just they moved her because she's away from Bailey. Um, so maybe we can get some Nikki Cross-Alexa Bliss matches, and then we can finally move on. Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode going to SmackDown. So I thought that was funny just because they got drafted to SmackDown here. They were only just traded the Raw literally two or three months ago in exchange for AJ Styles, who also finds himself back on Raw. So it's like the trade never even happened. But Ziggler and Rude back on SmackDown after going to Raw this summer. They were on SmackDown prior to that point, um, up until the summer from last year's draft. And they were on Raw before that. And then before that, Robert Rude was a SmackDown guy before being drafted to Raw two years ago. These guys have gone back back and forth so many times. Again, it's hard to care. Um, But it's a nice addition to the SmackDown tag team division. Uh, And I would assume at some point we are going to get Ziggler and Rude versus the Street Profits for those SmackDown tag team titles. Um, R-Truth staying put on Raw with the 24-7 championship. Apollo Crews going to SmackDown. Thank God he's away from the Hurt Business. And also going to Raw as a free agent, Davocado from NXT. Now, the only real reason I would assume they did that was because they still have Raw Underground, although we haven't seen it in a couple of weeks. Um, Again, it's hard to care. Not that I don't care about the former Babatunde. It's just that we've been given no reason to care about this guy, aside from the fact that he's beaten up a couple of nobodies on Raw Underground. So making him an official member of the roster, I think it's, I don't know, he's been a part of NXT for so long, but is he main roster ready? I don't think so, because he was never really given a real run in NXT, so it's kind of hard to care about him on his own on Raw. Maybe he's a bodyguard, but on his own, if he's going to be wrestling every week in the actual show and not as part of and not as part of Raw Underground, then I think the guy, is, you know, he might be doomed. The same can be said for Artua Ruhas, who also got drafted to Raw as part of these supplemental picks um, later on in the night, but... Uh, Before we get to that, Titus O'Neil also staying on Raw. A lot of people probably forgot that he was even still employed. Um, Again, why he would be picked over an Andrade or an Aleister Black, who literally went second to last, right in between Peyton Royce and Akira Tozawa, was ridiculous. I mean, come on, man. Aleister Black going after Titus fucking O'Neil, who hasn't wrestled a match on Raw in literally years, I thought was incredibly stupid. Very, very dumb. Um, Carmella staying on SmackDown, which only made sense. Peyton Royce also staying on Raw. I thought she might be drafted. Unfortunately not. Aleister Black going to SmackDown following Kevin Owens, although I think the feud is over um, after that great no-disqualification match they had on Monday. But I wouldn't continue the feud. Um, I think Black needs a reset as well. Um, His heel run has been kind of underwhelming, and that's not really his fault. He actually said in an interview, I think the Sports Kita recently, that... We haven't really seen the full fleshed out character that he can bring to the table as a heel. I think he actually said we've only seen 20% of his heel character so far. 
And Kevin Owens even told me in that exclusive interview that we heard earlier that he thinks the feud wasn't really given the storyline support that it needed, in so many words is what he said. So hopefully the blue brand is nicer to, is kinder to Aleister Black than Raw has been uh, you know, recently. He had a pretty decent run for himself early on. He went undefeated for a while, and then he kind of ran in Seth Rollins, and that feud never really had a proper blow-off, and now he turned heel, and he's lost a lot of his momentum, let's put it that way. And Akira Tozawa was also drafted at Raw, um, staying put where he was, which I think is a mistake. I don't really, you know, the whole Tozawa ninja thing is ridiculous, but um, this just means we're getting more skits very likely between him and R-Truth. And in my opinion, no thanks, I just, I, who gives a fuck? Um, going to Raw, as part of Raw Talk here, we got the seventh round on Raw Talk. Lana, staying put on Raw, who became the number one contender to the Raw Women's Championship on Monday night which RJ had texted me two things about this show. One, that champions should not be drafted, which I don't agree with. It's just that I think they shouldn't have brand-specific championships. I think that's stupid. Uh, but he also said that Lana winning was dumb, and who the hell could possibly care? And I completely agree. She is getting her shot next week on Raw, not at Hell in the Cell. But again, even if you want to build up a television match, why not have it be like a Natalia? who, again, I don't give a shit about Natalia, but even she would make for a better match against Asuka than Lana would or Peyton Royce, or literally almost anyone else except for Lana, who has lost almost literally every single match that she's had in general on the main roster, but specifically in the last month or two, um, getting beaten every single week. So obviously she is no threat to Asuka. And Asuka, as I've said before, if she can get a decent match out of Lana on Raw next week, she is a fucking miracle worker. Natalia going to SmackDown, so they split up the Lana-Natalia tag team. Uh, Natalia did dump Lana on Raw before Lana dumped her out of the ring as part of the Battle Royal, so that's how they kind of, um, you know, finalized that split. Not that the tag team was really lighting the world on fire anyway, and, and in fact, it actually quite sucked. So it's probably better than Natalia's going to SmackDown. Uh, Riddick Moss going to Raw. Again, who cares? Um, Artua Ruhas also going to Raw. Again, gives a shit. And the Riot Squad going to SmackDown. Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan. I know Bailey actually said in her interview a couple of months ago she's been wanting to face Liv Morgan for a long time now, so she may finally get her wish. They haven't been on the same show in a couple of years, so we might finally get Bailey and Liv Morgan one on one. But I think a Bailey and Ruby Riot feud at some point could be fun. Um, the Riot Squad already just recently lost their opportunity at the WWE Women's Tag Team Titles, so if they're not going to be going for the tag titles anytime soon, I think Ruby Riot and Bailey makes as much sense as anything before Bailey very likely loses the championship. Um, either at Hell in the Cell or soon after. So those were a majority of the picks. Um, just looking at like the free agents and stuff here. Shorty G, Chad Gable, what have you, went to SmackDown. He got drafted on night two after going undrafted in night one. He's staying put on SmackDown. The Lucha House Parties, Gramatelli, and Lince Dorado are officially split from Kalisto after a three-year run with him. They're going to Raw, so uh, that'll be interesting. To see um, what they do on Monday nights, probably very likely nothing, but it is what it is. Um, the rest of the free agent signings, Billy Kay went to SmackDown, so they're officially splitting up Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. Eric of the Viking Raiders staying put on Raw without Ivar for right now. Um, Tamina staying put on SmackDown, and Zelina Vega going to SmackDown as well, joining her husband, Aleister Black, on the brand. So the only two people who I think went undrafted, and there's a bunch of people who here who weren't drafted, who weren't eligible or whatever, that weren't in the pools. For example, Ivar is injured right now. The Forgotten Sons are going to show up at some point, um, but we have not seen them on TV in probably four or five months. They weren't even eligible to be drafted, so I'm not exactly sure what's holding up their return, but 
I think one of them, T, is coming back a couple of months ago. We just haven't seen him yet, so... Um, well, if I had to take a guess, they'll probably go to SmackDown, but does it even really matter? Um, Bo Dallas was not eligible. We have not seen him in close to a year, but who the hell cares? Um, Big Show was not drafted. He was a part of Raw the last time we saw him, but again, he's not a regular on the show, so that, you know, makes sense why he wouldn't be drafted. Um, Becky Lynch is pregnant right now. She won't be back for a while. Jimmy Uso, I would assume, is probably going to SmackDown with his brother, but they could also put him on Raw with his wife, so... Um, I guess we'll see what they do, but I think him and, you know, him and Naomi doing their own thing would be cool, unless Naomi joins the Hurt Business, then that's probably not happening. Um, Jinder Mahal is probably going back to Raw. He's been injured since May or June. He's been injured for a little while. He, he was only back for a couple of weeks before he got injured again. Had to go take, uh, you know, go had to go have uh, another knee injury, another knee surgery, rather, um, soon after his return earlier this year. So he'll probably wind up back on Raw. We'll get the Mahal-McIntyre feud that had been... Uh, you know, speculated about at the time, which, who cares? Um, Kane was not eligible. We have not seen Kane on either show for a while. Now, Maurice has not been on either show for, like, a year or two. She got pregnant again. Uh, Mojo Raleigh was not eligible, which is interesting. We have not seen him since June. Now, I guess he's hurt. Um, he'll probably go to SmackDown, because that's where he was pre-draft. But again, who cares? Mickey James was the only one who isn't hurt, and I guess she hurt her nose or something. She'll be back in a week or two. But she wasn't drafted, even though she was eligible. Um, I think she should go to SmackDown. SmackDown's women's division needs more names. They have Bailey, They have Sasha. They have Bianca. They don't have a lot of people beyond them. Um, they have the Riot Squad who are good, but they're more of a tag team than they are established singles competitors at this point. They have Billy Kay, Tamina. Like, again, who cares? So I think they need the help over there. Mickey James could be a great asset to that Blue Brands women's division. You know, she could feud with Bailey. She could feud with Sasha. Excuse me, as a face or healer or whatever. Her and Bianca could be fun. But again, she'll very likely probably end up on Raw per PW Insider. And Andrade as well was not drafted, which there's got to be a reason for. Apparently he had a minor injury. He might be back in a month. But even still, he was eligible. Why the fuck wouldn't he be drafted over a Tamina or a, an Akira Tozawa or an Arturo Rujas or a Dabakito? You know what I'm saying? So there have been rumors that Andrade might actually end up in NXT again, which I think would be great. It might actually be the best thing for him now. Without Zelina Vega, it's not the same, because he really got over in NXT because of Zelina Vega being his mouthpiece. Without that component to his act, the guy is doomed. Regardless of whether it's Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT, UK, 205 Live, whatever, the guy's doomed. But I think he has a better chance of becoming a star. I mean, he already is a star, kind of, but finding more success there than he does on the main roster. Yeah, he's already a former NXT champion. Maybe he could win the North American title. I don't know. I mean, Balor was a former NXT champion and won it again, but I don't know. I just feel like with Balor, like, he's just a bigger star. Andrade doesn't have that same vibe about him. Um, and I think breaking him up from Zelina was one of the dumbest things they could have done. So unless he goes to SmackDown, which he probably isn't because Charlotte's still on Raw, his soon-to-be wife, um, I think NXT would be the best possible place for him to go where he can be utilized properly and not just be booked to look like a loser, which he's been now for quite some time. So that was the WWE 2020 draft. I thought overall it was well done. Um, there were a lot of moves that didn't make sense in terms of how they were executed and whatnot. But I do think it made for a pretty eventful draft in terms of some of the new moves they made. Between Matt Riddle, they moved um, The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, they moved Braun Strowman to Raw. They moved a lot of people to SmackDown as well. So I think, you know, AJ Styles is on Raw now. I think if I had to pick between the two brands what brand ended up stronger, I would probably go with Raw. 
Um, and SmackDown have been doing really well with the roster that it had pre-draft. Like, they have Rey Mysterio now. They have Dominic. They have Rollins, Bianca Belair. You know, they made out pretty well, too. So we'll see what happens. The Street Profits also ended up on SmackDown. Uh, Kevin Owens, Aleister Black. So I think they made out pretty well, all things considered. I'm looking forward to seeing how much the shows may change. That's not a guarantee. Um, they might feel fresh for a week or two before they return to the status quo. But I think there's enough going on right now between like the Roman Reigns, Jey Uso feud, um, Raw getting a couple of new faces that the shows might benefit from the shows from, from the rosters being shaken up a bit. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the fallout will be from the 2020 draft moving forward. Uh, real quickly, from the AW Anniversary Show, we're not going to do a formal review of the show here today. I thought overall it was mildly disappointing. I thought it was decent, but um, far from great considering it was supposed to be their big you know, anniversary show. They did have four championships defended on the show. Um, all four championships, actually, unless you, I guess, consider the TNT, or rather the FDW title an official championship, which I don't. Um, they had it defended last week. But they had Cody and Orange Cassidy for the TNT championship, which I thought was a great match. Um, I thought they actually worked really well together. The finish was well done, and Cody continues to tease a heel turn, even though he kind of promised this last week in his promo that he wouldn't be turning heel. So anyway, I'm looking forward to seeing what goes, you know, where it goes from there. Um, I thought they had a really good match. The tag title match was good, far from great, between the best friends in FTR for the AEW World Tag Team titles. Again, it was all right. I just think it could have been better. And um, I'm not really sure with the best friends that that finish sucked. The finish was terrible. Um, So I'm not really sure why they did that unless they were going to give best friends another shot. But it doesn't look like they're going in that direction because we had a raffle to determine the next number one contenders. And it was chosen, or the teams of uh, the Young Bucks, Private Party, Dark Order, Silver and Reynolds, and the Butcher and the Blade were selected. I mean, who fucking cares? I mean, I like Private Party, but they've been booked terribly overall since they joined the company. The Dark, the Dark Order are losers, and Butcher and Blade I just don't care about. So, obviously the Young Bucks are winning that and getting the title shot at uh, All Out. I mean, Or not at All Out, at Full Gear. I guess Private Party could win, but... I don't know, I guess, I, I feel like we've already seen Private Party and FTR before, just maybe not for the titles. And maybe we did a couple of weeks ago, I feel like we already got Private Party and FTR for the tag titles. Maybe we didn't, I don't remember. Um, but I thought that was kind of dumb. The MJF Inner Circle stuff is interesting, that might have been one of the better parts of the show. Um, it was during the tag title match that Trent got thrown into the arcade, or he threw someone into the arcade, that Kip Sabian was playing this arcade game, and it broke. And he got pissed. Miro came out and attacked him afterward. So Miro and Kip Sabian are now feuding with best friends over a fucking broken arcade game, which is incredibly stupid. Um, so I thought that was kind of a dumb way to kick off the show. That was really about it. I thought the women's match wasn't all that good. Moxley and Archer was an entertaining match, but far from great. And I guess we're getting Moxley and Eddie Kingston at the pay-per-view, which if they were going to do that, why would you do Eddie Kingston and Moxley on TV a couple of weeks ago? I don't know why they would do that if they were just going to build a Moxley and, and Kingston again at the pay-per-view. Maybe in a stipulation match this time, but I don't know. I feel like Kingston hasn't been built up enough on his own as a wrestler in order for people to really take him seriously as a threat to that title. So, I don't know. I thought it was a good show on Wednesday. Far from great. Um, they are putting some pieces in place that are interesting. But, like, for example, the whole Fatal 4-Way next week to determine the number one contenders to the tag titles... What the fuck is the point of the of the rankings then? Why would you have rankings if you're just going to have a random raffle to determine who's going to fight in the number one contenders match? You know what I mean? It just seems pointless to me. Um, I don't know. I just did not think it was a great show. It was, it was solid, and NXT was all right too. Um, not that much better. But I thought Cody and Orange Cassidy was probably the best thing on the entire show. 
And that's going to do it, guys, here today for WrestleRant Radio on October 15th, 2020. Thanks for checking the show, as always. Much appreciated. Be sure to uh, subscribe to the show, rate the show, review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Podbean, WrestleRant.com as well. You can find new episodes every single Thursday, in addition to WrestleRantRadio.com as well. We'll be back next with more thoughts on the week in WWE, AEW, and I believe predictions for the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, which I think is coming up next Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. So it's coming up quickly. In addition to Bound for Glory from the Impact show, from uh, Impact Wrestling on Saturday, which we probably won't be talking a whole lot about next week here on the show, but it will be worth watching anyway. Impact has been putting out a great product, I would say, for the better part of 2020. So definitely check that out next week. I do have an interview with an Impact star coming up early next week for What Culture, so keep an eye out for that as well as the big interview for Bleach Report on Friday of this week, as well as on the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Graham Matthews. Have a great one, guys. I'm Graham Jason Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road.